Hi, I'm Tom Cross. Hi, I'm Gordon Brown. Hi, I'm Max Thomas. And this is Finals Pod. Hello, everyone. My name is Joe Daly, and welcome to a very special episode of FinOps Pod. Why is this special? Well, recently, as many of you know, the FinOps Foundation staff all traveled to the UK for a roadshow in London and a team offsite in Edinburgh. In case you weren't able to join us, we recorded a whole bunch of audio with the intention to put something together to make you feel as if you were there. Hopefully you listen to this and you pick up on all the excitement and energy that you get when a bunch of people who practice the beautiful game of FinOps get together and start talking. My intention with this episode is to get you to want to jump into the conversation, to want to ask questions, to want to get involved. And if you feel so moved that you want to be in the room where the FinOps people are and engage with your FinOps tribe, well, you are in luck because the next great opportunity is coming up June 20th in Austin, Texas. Yeehaw at FinOpsX, our FinOps conference. We'll have sessions at networking and barbecue. And if you want to stay on the next day, there'll be live in-person training for the FinOps certified practitioner. Go check it all out at x.finops.org for all the details and to register. Come hang out with me, hang out with your peers and have these really niche conversations that you care so greatly about. And you're trying to get the people you work with to care about just a fraction as much as you do. We're all in that same boat. Okay, now I'm going to play a whole bunch of those conversations for you that we had in London. So let's jump right into it. Let's start at the beginning of the FinOps London Roadshow. So sit back, crank up the volume, and let's talk FinOps. Here we go. Hey, good evening, everyone. Hello. It is so good to see so many of your faces that I've seen on Zoom and all the other places. Hello back there. I'm JR Stormet, for those of you I haven't met yet. I lead up the FinOps Foundation, co-authored a book on this whole FinOps thing a few years ago. Uh, really excited to have you all here because this is our first in-person event. And so thank you for being a part of that. Our team. <laughs> We, we started pretty much during COVID and we've never actually gotten together before. So we're all here. We're actually going up to Edinburgh tomorrow for an offsite, which we're very excited about. I wanted to talk today about a theme that I touched on in our last summit, which was resilience. So this shot is from about two weeks ago. I live in Portland, Oregon, and I went to see a band called Imagine Dragons with my kid for his 10th birthday. I took that photo. I'm very proud of it. And it was the first time that I'd been to a concert, you know, in like three years. And we were all very excited to be there. The crowd was going wild. There were lots of people you know, excited and dancing. And in the middle of all this, the lead singer of the band stops and he asks everybody to look at each other and he asks them to put their hands up if they've had a major loss in the last five years. And like thousands of hands went up, right, in the sea of faces. And everybody kind of took a moment and then he asked everybody to look at each other and just remember how friggin' grateful we are that we've like come through so much in the last few years and that we're able to start coming back together. And there's really this theme of bouncing back. And for me, that really resonated in a lot of ways. I've seen a lot of you do that in the last couple of years. And professionally, it was like, that is the perfect message for FinOps. 
FinOps is about running into a challenge. It's about getting into cloud, suddenly getting you know, overspending happening, having issues, recovering, restarting, realizing you need to retool your organization, getting people working together in ways they haven't been before, and really starting to get to a place where you can be a resilient organization, not a stable one. And I separate those two because resilient organizations are the ones where you hit some really hard challenge and you transform and you get better. And those ones last through the hard challenges. They last through the ups and downs. Versus the stable organizations can weather the challenges, but they kind of just end up back where they are and they don't always last over time. FinOps is a muscle, right? It's a muscle that you need to build. And one of the reasons we founded the foundation, because in this space, what we found is most people doing it are doing it as a career path. And that the people progressing through it are the really interesting folks to get into and to track, not necessarily the individual jobs. And they're there because they're building bridges in the organization, right? And they're breaking down silos and they're creating this resilient muscle. And for those of you who don't know us, the FinOps Foundation is a US nonprofit trade association, part of the Linux Foundation, that is focused around helping the people who do this work. So we do that through three vehicles. One is community, and that's where we started. We started with a group of 26 folks. And over time, that's grown now to 5,350 practitioners around the world, people doing this work. So that community is the core of it. We also have a lot of education, career advancement work that we do, and also standards for defining a roadmap for success within FinOps. And I wanted to throw this slide up here mainly because I'm looking for feedback later. One of the things I've been struggling with personally, I like run companies and I've done little startups and things, and I've never done a nonprofit. And it's really hard to answer the question of like, what does winning look like? Win a nonprofit, like what does success look like? When are we done? How do we build a lasting organization? So our team is meeting tomorrow to talk about things like OKRs. And for me, our three core focus areas are around creating connections, like letting all of you who are doing this work know that you're not alone, around providing inspiration, which is mainly through career advancement, training, professional development, helping you find the help you need wherever you are, and then providing some kind of guidance so you don't have to figure it all out by yourselves. So these are the things we're thinking about. Um, we'd love to hear from you later. Please find any of the team. Tell us what you need more from us. Tell us where we should invest in. Tell us what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing, because this is really where we are right now as we're coming out of this COVID period and looking to build our own resilience. So I would like to bring up my good buddy, Joe Daly, who is our head of community, who's gonna run this portion. And okay. maybe panelists, if you could also head on up here, we'll get you started. Yeah. Okay, let me set the stage in your mind for what we did next. Imagine, if you will, on a big screen, we are showing our data from the 2022 State of FinOps survey. You know the data if you've been watching our March and February FinOps summits. What we did differently this time was we broke out the survey data between responses from the EMEA, Europe, Middle East, and Africa region, and the North American region. Then we compared and contrasted what the top pain points were. Survey data showed that EMEA region had more difficulty with organizational adoption and team alignment than their North American counterparts. On the flip side, they had an easier time with enabling automation and less concern about forecasting accuracy than the North Americans. Let's listen in to the panelists, Natalie Daly from HSBC and Bubs Rani to get their thoughts on this information. I'll go first if that's right. Yeah. I think definitely culture has been a challenge for myself within the organization and still is today. There are many barriers to change or working in a new way you need to if you want to fully embrace FinOps and the ecosystem of FinOps. So we, we've employed many different strategies to overcome that. Yeah. And it's an ongoing 
task for us that we continue to work with. Equally, I think forecasting in the early days, so mm -hmm. I'm about maybe three years in journey-wise now, I'd say in the early days, forecasting was definitely a challenge. Forecasting accuracy was a KPI we used to measure our clients by and our counterparts. It's definitely improved with time, with tooling, with education, mm. with support from a central FinOps team. It's definitely improved. Now it's no longer a challenge in the same way mm. um, as it used to be. That's good. Echo a lot of that. So one thing that is strange, though, so there are more managers and directors in the EMEA compared to North America, which is strange because you know those managers and directors are not still able to get the adoption through. Yeah, and I think a lot of the other pain points there fall out from the adoption. With better adoption, I think a lot of those would improve. I'm surprised in this data that the multi-currency isn't as big of an issue because it's really been a pain for me in the past working either in pounds or in euros and the billing is all in dollars. So we've had a couple of stages where one, one bill shop that we had was mainly driven by the currency fluctuation. So just after Brexit, when the pound crashed against the dollar, our cloud usage was still similar and we were still on track apart from the fact that the pound fell against the dollar. So um, having to then introduce things like currency hedging, so we knew at least that way we had our uh, rates locked in for a period of time. So I'm surprised that the difference in uh, that pain point isn't as big in this region. Yeah, that's a, especially for me, a very interesting point because currency hedging isn't necessarily a big deal in the United States. So it's really interesting to hear that difference in problems that I need to help provide resources for to support you all. But one of the things, going back a slide, is enabling automation. You are all far ahead of North Americans in the automating aspect of this. And what are you automating? Lots of things. Commitment management, resource utilization management, instance right sizing. Very good job. All these things are great to automate. But the most interesting part is, what are the barriers to automation? And this goes back to the culture thing. FinOps adoption is nearly identical to the availability of technical resources. Natalie, how is automation in, in your environment? Are you able to automate a lot or is, what are you seeing? Uh, not as quickly as we would like. Automation is definitely on the roadmap. It's a big, one of our main priorities for this year. My organization works hand in hand with the engineers and the DevOps migrations as well. So we want to be following those principles and integrating some of the FinOps principles in those CICD pipelines. We're looking at power scheduling and automating that through tagging. So we, we're definitely taking, I think, significant strides in that space. But I think, again, culturally, the organization isn't used to collectively coming together to make such decisions, so make such, to agree on such principles. And equally, I think they're used to engineering or developing in a certain way. And We've adopted a method where we're getting them used to some of these ideas, some of these changes, some of these new ways of working, and then looking at the automation element of it. Yeah, so um, on the automation again, so we don't have centralized automation that covers everything. With the individual uh, teams who look after the individual parts of the cloud, they're automating their own thing, which is great in some cases where the teams have had resources to do things such as out of, air, out of our scale-ins or shutdowns, 
But where it falls apart is then when um, that team is made up of a bunch of contractors who are then terminated at the you know, end of a quarter or whenever their contract finishes and there's no one there to hand over to. We've got a few cases where Jenkins jobs that, that were built for these automation jobs um, are now long, no longer working and there's no one there to uh, pick up those tasks. It needs to be a very you know, joint up effort, so uh, well documented things. Yeah. So we have pockets of automation on certain things, so yeah, shutting down instances. Other teams are doing other bits of automation very well, but my own perspective, we haven't got a coherent message across all of those bits. It's, it's very true what you're both saying. From my experience, it's piecemeal. It's like one little bit at a time. And what you just said about the getting buy-in before you automate the compliance of it resonated because I spent two years convincing tagging is a good thing. <laughs> and then we're just like, well, now you're really going to have to do it. And more than that, you're going to have to tag properly. Yes. No more fat fingers or backhanded comments about the FinOps team and your tagging. Those are non-compliant. You know, that's a whole new buy-in yeah. saying that. It's a that. whole new thing. I think we, we do also have a federated model in, in a similar way as you've described. But again, we're often competing for their own, within their own prioritized portfolios. Yeah. So it's the same engineers doing development who are also going to make the changes that we're discussing from a FinOps point of view. And we often, or we're in the, mo at the process at the moment of working out what takes precedence for some of those businesses. And often we find that simply demonstrating that doing nothing costs money and clearly articulating they are, you know, as each day goes by, that there is a cost associated with not actioning. Some of our recommendations we found does work quite well. See, I like the approach. You're not saying here's the gains by automating. Yeah. Here, here is the cost of not automating. Yeah. It's a good approach. I wanted to add in this question from the audience that we got during the presentation. It was about the FinOps team growth slide. Now, you may recall the survey data showed FinOps teams growing or nearly doubling in size over the next year. A question directed to Natalie from the audience was, does she think companies will supplement FinOps teams with consultants? Oh, another very good question. So in the context of, again, HSBC, our spend is up there in the, the higher um, numbers. So I don't rely on consultants. In the initial stages, we partnered with a consulting company to help with the target operating model design and some of those uh, the artifacts and templates that we needed in those early stages. Now, the way that it works is because of the work we've done with the wider organization, some of the training we've put in place, and we've also established new roles like FinOps champions, they carry the responsibility and our conduits into the business to help us achieve what we need to achieve through our FinOps journey. So those FinOps champions roles, mm -hmm. are they on your team or are they in no, the other federated. teams? they're federated. They're federated on those teams. That's interesting. I definitely feel that consultancy and the larger consultants have a role to play because they have experience and they've seen how FinOps has or hasn't worked in other organizations. But I do really feel that you have to own it, it has to be yours, you have to nurture it within your organization and, and use them in an, an advisory capacity. Right. 
Because that's where the value generation, right? FinOps yeah. is value ge generating, and you want to make sure you own, you understand what the value is. Yeah. Bups, what do you? What have you seen? Because you've had quite a journey. We also do the same thing with the FinOps champions. So again, they're, they're, they are the domain specialists, so they know what's going on in their own individual teams. From a central FinOps, is providing that education about what FinOps is, what potentially they could look into. But they are the experts in terms of what they're running in the cloud. They then uh, understand the FinOps concepts and then take, on, take that on board when they're designing the systems, when they're building them, and also once they're in the operate stage. So looking for those optimizations and looking all towards uh, cloud economics and getting the better value. That's the transition sound effect, meaning that we're moving into the fireside chat segment of the program with Sanjay Apti from Vodafone. I enjoyed this conversation a lot because, well, a lot of us say we're in the run phase of maturity, but Sanjay actually is in the run phase. Vodafone has a complex cloud environment, which requires some pretty complex governance. So let's listen in as Sanjay describes it. I know many companies have a multi-cloud strategy, which is just to have an account in every cloud and then check you're done with your strategy. Vodafone is multi-cloud yep. and it actually sounds like there's a point and purpose for each cloud. Can you share about your environment? Yeah, so in, in telecoms, uh, I guess in many other industries, it might be common is we have got very different technology stacks that we use. So when we started with our cloud generator, it was predominantly AWS, but then slowly we kind of wondering, okay, should we go multi-cloud? Should we remain with AWS? And slowly we evolve our strategy in terms of, it, it, it is more of a function and the business focus base rather than kind of, you know, just going into any cloud. So what we have got principle is that anything with Oracle workload goes into OCI. Anything with the data goes into Google. And then AWS is more as a general workload kind of things. We do bits of Azure, but not that, that much mm -hmm. in things. Maybe I think having three clouds is enough to maintain and manage. So you're in all the clouds and your team needs to enforce the cybersecurity and FinOps governance in these clouds, how are you doing it? How are you able to go across all those clouds? So that, that's where we found the center of excellence and what we have got is pretty much front door. So we, that's the area where any projects who wants workload in, in cloud come in, raise a request, we then analyze that and then decide based on the type of a workload, which cloud it needs to go to. But also when we spin up the cloud, there are set of standards and set of controls that gets enabled as part of that so that we are going to have our consistent controls over it. This is interesting because it's not just that you're multi-cloud, you have to make sure that they're in the right cloud for the right reason. It's not just, I want to be in Azure because I want to be in Azure. It just sounds great. I like Microsoft. And I've had these conversations many times before. Because if you go to a cloud for the wrong reasons, that's all new operational skills and, exactly. and features that you need to build to enable that. So that's really interesting that you have governance on the entry point and then also on the day-to-day -day maintenance of it. Exactly, day-to-day -day maintenance around the security controls, but also cost-wise as well, right? So because each, each of the cloud is slightly different in terms of how you manage the cost, so we kind of then develop understanding whether the cloud, once they are operating into a specific cloud, are they optimum in terms of what they do? Like, you know, what the, you know, spinning at the data lake or managing the data lake and 
controlling the cost is much different than compute will be into AWS or OCI. Where have you found that there is just great intrinsic adoption versus extrinsic adoption? Like, hey, you, thou shalt use this tool, thou shalt schedule your instances. I think it all depends on the project by project. I think there are certain things that you know, earlier panel mentioned around the champions and we found that quite useful is we haven't kind of uh, got a concept of champion, but we know certain people are uh, naturally more in tune with running the cloud uh, workloads and all. And we tend to work with them closely to get our things that we need to do in terms of finance, FinOps management or applying the controls and all. Whereas other projects who just want to deliver where they don't want to think about controls and everything, I want to deliver this, I want to deliver it in six months time, don't care about the cross, don't care about <coughs> rules and controls. That's the one it gets very difficult to control and manage them because mm-hmm. really they're the focus they don't just understand why it is other things are important. Right. Yeah, I got a timeline to hit. That, that can't be an excuse. And that's the point we're trying to kind of make is, is because if, you know, either from the cost side, is suddenly someone spins up a big workload, that project is liable for those costs. Right. Do, do you ever get from teams, now I'm just commiserating with you, do you ever get, well, my project's going to go red and I'm going to put your name as the reason? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do get, you know, escalation saying, you know, the, the, your new controls are going to slow me down. Yeah. I think my view is that you should have thought about it first place. Like right. if you're on the cloud, you need to live by the rules of the cloud. All right. Probably the most exciting part of the London Roadshow was being in person with real people in real life, in the same room at the same time. I'll be honest, after having not really been in a room with that many people in the last two years, it was a bit weird at first. I was hesitant and my inner introvert was pulling me to the side saying, let's get out of here. Here's a secret folks. I'm an introvert with extrovert skills. I love you all, but sometimes I just need to go stay in the corner and recover. But after a little bit of time, I got the hang of it and I was mingling once again. The intrepid Noel Crowley lunged into the room. I actually met Noel in real life for the first time at this event. And let me tell you folks, he's taller than you think. I'd never actually seen him not sitting down on a Zoom call before. So I guess there are all sorts of fun surprises to be had as we begin meeting again. Anyway, Noel plunged in and worked the room. And when I say worked, I mean he stuck a microphone in people's faces and talked to them. So for the next 10 minutes or so, we're all going to listen in to some FinOp shop talk through the lens of Noel. Here are some of the conversations we're going to hear. First up is David Sertz, who had just presented on Kubernetes cost allocation during the March FinOps Summit, and Roy Rabon, co-founder and CEO of FinOps. They talk about Kubernetes label schemes with Noel. After that, Noel runs the Mark Butcher, one of the founders of the UK FinOps meetup, and they tackle sustainability. Then Noel stumbles into the foundation's own Rob Martin and Ashley Romatko to talk about in-person training. And we'll end it with Noel connecting with Bups, fresh off the stage from his panel appearance, and Steph Gooch from AWS. We're going to make quick cuts between these conversations, so listen for the whoosh to know the transition into the next conversation. Ready? Let's all network vicariously through Noel. 
So I'm here with David and Roy. Pleasure to meet you guys. Hi. Um, are you enjoying the London Summit? First one in two years. Are you enjoying it so far? So yeah, so far it's great. Yeah. To be here. And we both travel far away just to be here. Oh, where are you from? I'm from Israel. Israel? Yeah. Wow. And you traveled from Israel to come to here tonight? Only for that. Anything for the Finance Foundation. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That's a good quote. We might use that one, actually. Of course. Um, but, uh, cool. And, and David, you're from? Germany. And you traveled from here? Yes. So, my question I wanted to ask you is, as I see you here, you were talking at the last online summit for the whole FinOps Foundation. You're talking about the SIG that you're doing for containers. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Because that's... Very interesting. I think there's a lot of people out there who would love to know more about how that's going for you All in right. a more informal sense. Yeah, so we have a special interest group about containers, specifically Kubernetes, and we have a working group, mix of um, consultants, practitioners, and platforms. What we put together so far is a label schema for containers to, yeah, to start with a journey into cost transparency, basically. It's not so much yet about cost optimization, if you ask me, cost transparency is not only the first step, it's way more important because I'm a big advocate of discussing return on invest on changes towards cost optimization. Sometimes it's just worse to move forward and time to market can be more important than reducing some of the cloud costs. I'm going to ask you a question now, and this is a loaded question, by the way, for me as a FinOps practitioner. You're saying cost visualization for containers and all that, right? And your labeling scheme and all that. How are you getting around, or a problem that we're seeing in my company is that when people, we, we tag our containers at a product line level, and we might put multiple applications on them. Are you seeing that, or have you got workarounds or solutions? Because when we then go pulling those costs out, the costs are associated to the product line, not the individual application sitting on it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I would go two steps back, and we started now to discuss with people about the overall cloud account strategy, the cluster strategy, the namespace strategy, and then comes deployments and containers ultimately. Because depending on how you use cloud accounts and clusters, if you have a cluster per product, and you're more interested in the cost per product, then you're good to go already. If you need more fine-grained details and access on let's say, on your service level that runs within this cluster per product, then label becomes much more important. If you have a shared cluster, in a shared cloud account, in a shared namespace, labeling is ultimately important, if you can. Mm -hmm. It's the only thing you got, really. I want to ask you something else that I think you're really into, and that's the sustainability stuff. It's a huge thing. I don't think anyone's got it right yet because it's still a bit of a dark and murky area. But the great thing is companies are now starting to take it seriously. We've got a new working group around sustainability. And what we're really proud of is we're bringing communities together inside FinOps, but also outside. So we're trying to bring it together all across all aspects of IT to try and do this in a consistent manner. So be able to measure the sustainable impact of IT services. And is there, is there many people in that? SIG at the moment, or are you just still recruiting to so, it? So we're still recruiting. There are loads of people in it, in the main group. We've, we've got about 25, 30 active members. And what, what we're looking for are people who want to contribute, want to understand. Because the nice thing about this area is no one really fully understands it yet. And we're all learning as we go along. And if you think FinOps is a great community, the sustainability part is an even better part because it's people who want to make a difference for good. It's not just about saving money. It's about doing something positive for the environment, which accidentally has an outcome of saving a load of money. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when this all started, I remember I was talking with Ben Moore around just a couple of months back, and one of the things I was like, this is great, FinOps, 
sustainability. At the end of the day, you can spin it anyway. They both have similar things, slightly different spins on how you get there, but similar, yeah. right? Yes. And they will all save you money, hopefully. Do you see any negative impacts potentially coming from putting up some of this information out there at the moment? Uh, so that's a really good question because one of the biggest mistakes you can make in FinOps or GreenOps is communicating badly. And that's what I found going through this is if you paint it as a everyone's doing something really wrong, then you're going to alienate teams, you're going to offend developers, you're going to turn them against you. But if you paint it as we've got a fantastic opportunity to do something better, faster and smarter, and the outcome is you might actually get more budget to be able to do other things that you want to do, and you're going to be operating the most efficient applications and services you can and contributing to saving the environment, they, they generally love the message because you're not, making them, you're not making them out to be negative, bad things. You're showing them actually these are things you can do. And that's one of our objectives is to come up with structured KPIs, structured standards, recommendations and approaches. So it's not a draconian thing, it's more of a contributory thing where everyone understands the impact of what they're doing. So are you pulling in developers early or are you still... Yes, we're even actually going further than that. We want to be talking to line of business. So when requirements are set, because that's where the problem starts. It doesn't start in development. It starts when a line of business requirement gets set and that flows into a development standard, that flows into a design standard, that flows into an operational standard, that flows right down the back end to the cloud operations being blamed for things costing too much. But if we can fix it right away at the start and get it right there, then actually everything else going down gets better and better as we go along. Excited to be back together. What is your first, first time together? Is it all yeah. the staff here now? Yeah, everyone's here. I think so, yeah. Everybody's here. So I know first Rob time. because Rob came to where I live in Iowa to teach the practitioner no. class. Oh, you're doing practitioner classes in person? No. Not here, no, no. Oh, we should have. But no, but uh, back home or back in the states, you are. Uh, our first in person is going to be in June at. Uh, at FinOps X. Well, that's going to be the first one. Yeah, yeah, but he, the last one he did was the at, last well, in person one was at Pearson, where yeah. she worked as well. Oh, so, oh right. So it's been yeah. two, two years, two yeah. and a half years. Yeah. It was February, late February of twenty of nineteen. Had you done many? So I was at the CloudyCon one. Yeah. Yeah. And. Had you done many in-persons after that? Because COVID yeah. came rapidly after that. Yeah. We so that did. was September, wasn't it? Yeah, so about six months later. COVID we did came, six yeah. or seven, because we were doing them like once a month. Yeah. We were doing them in different places. And we had a whole schedule for that whole year, because uh, yours was the, in February, and then we were doing one in, at Morningstar in Chicago yeah. uh, three weeks later. Yeah, and we had to quickly pivot to like rewriting everything and virtually. And we re redid everything, yeah. yeah, and just re-jiggered re it and made it Because it was really designed to be in person. It was. Yeah. It was. It's a single day. Yeah. Uh, it's a. It's a. Because it was like breakouts and yeah. into different corners yeah, of the room. Yeah, yeah, I know yeah. you can do all that in yeah. Zoom, but it still it was. Yeah. yeah. It was the conversation bit, right? Yeah. yeah. And you take the stickers around and stick them on the stick them on the boards and stuff when you're doing the tagging thing. So yeah, it's and it's really grown. We've had the ex, we've had the extra two hours because we've got two five-hour days instead yeah. of one. And now we're gonna do a person again. We gotta figure out how to fit all the content back into a day. Cut some content out, probably. <laughs> yeah. Or speak ah. faster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that'll work itself. But do you? The whole new, with the new FinOps professional certification, everything else, how is that all going to play into it? It's a big one. It's a stepping stone. I mean, I mean practitioner what? was always designed to be an entry level, sort of, you know, practitioner level, same as AWS practitioner, where it's the vocabulary, it's the fundamentals of the services, it's the, it's never all the details. There's always more like to get into than we cover in the class. So professional is really where you get into all those details. I mean, it's a next step up. So anybody who is leading a FinOps team is somebody who I'd expect to go. It's, into the it's professional. 40 hours of virtual it's a lot content. Of, it's a lot of content. It's yeah. still 40 hours classroom training. Yeah, this well, the days. classroom side is what? 
It's uh, so it's two. There's two instructor-led sessions, and they're both four hours each. And there's some preliminary stuff. There's about 40 hours of recorded content that's all self-paced, so you can do that however you want to. Okay. And then there's a service project and a content development project uh, and an exam with that. So about. <laughs> so I got Boofs and Steph here, and we're back at the London FinOps Summit, the first one since 20, 2020, January 2020. Yep. Yeah. Wasn't it good? Yeah. There was a really good speaker up there tonight. I don't know, did you see him, Steph? <laughs> yeah, such a good speaker. <laughs> he was fantastic. This guy on the panel blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> did you enjoy it? No, it was good. It was good to see other people talking, because I talk a lot. You be talking I talk all the time. <laughs> exchange stuff I've never had to deal with that before and right. that was like fascinating to me that was a pro I didn't know about that so that was interesting yes yeah, um, some interesting discussions with some of the uh, tools providers when we first started uh, approaching that because yeah, some of their initial customers a lot of them were in North America so didn't have a problem dealing with US dollars they had no conversions or anything to do and then around that time we hit that pound crashing against the dollar so uh, really interesting times where you know it was a bill shock moment yeah not because we were doing anything, you know, overtly in the cloud, but because the currency crashed. So we were running over budget. Because yeah. um, at the time when we were looking at whether we should also get billed in pounds, but then we're at the mercy of whatever exchange rate the cloud provider yeah. wants to um, set up that day. So again, there, you know, it's, it's no better. So uh, we ended up going for the hedging option with the uh, bank that we we're banking with. So at least that way we had certainty about what rate we're going to get for a period of time. Very cool. Very good. And with now going back to the summit where we're here, is it the first time you've met people in two years? Oh. FinOps people. FinOps people. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I should qualify. Yeah, FinOps yeah. people. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, it's weird because going around and seeing people again in 3D. That's the thing. I think I've met my team for the first time and I met them all in 3D and I was like, whoa, it's like a person. And we just heard someone say behind us, well, you're much taller than you were yeah. when I thought online. But yeah, it's nice to see familiar. Like we uh, we know each other. We've met before. Yeah, so we started years ago. I was thinking back to when we first met up in a pub yeah, to start talking about the first meetup that we did in the UK, yeah. and uh, that just was like a lifetime ago because I was fresh faced starting in this industry, and then now we're. She would have like, been in your old job back then as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. It was so long ago, and FinOps was just like a word that I had heard and then like built around my career around, and then it was like I said, it was like nine of us at the first like in the group, and now it's. Massive thousands of people. It is. Do you know what? That's really cool because I was talking to Ashley earlier on, mm. and what what she was saying, and I thought it was cool and interesting, was now people are moving from one FinOps job to another FinOps yeah. job. We set it up on the stage tonight, but they said about like how you know this is now a career. It's an you know yeah. it's, it's something. It's it's amazing. Like yeah, this wasn't a job five years ago well also, not that i knew about just seeing the the job slack channel that uh, yeah. william maintains yeah the number of positions that are coming up around the world for all sorts of things related to finops is just yeah that's just really exploded do you know what i think is and this is something we're coming out with the the podcast as a whole is when i got into finops or how i got into it was or i was part of a team they needed someone to manage the bill. Mm. I was looking after the bill. I was making sure there was money in POs to pay the bills, blah, blah, blah. And then like, it was getting expensive and I was asking questions and I was like, oh, this isn't right. That's not the story that people who are new to this game know. Yeah. They're, that story is changing. 
they've got a bit of a jump start now so uh, a lot of the lessons that we learned mm. hopefully um, people don't feel that pain again mm. there's always pain to be felt because everything's moving so quickly but at least they get a jump start into you know how well learn from us on things not to yeah. do yeah. <laughs> and hopefully get some guidance around uh, what they should be looking at and uh, what they should be trying to implement absolutely and i'm going to wrap up here and say oops best luck in your new career opportunity thank you much stephanie um is runs the what is it keys to finops is it aws, AWS optimization uh that is 3 30 uk time yep. uh, and irish time every thursday mm-hmm. very good well worth listening to That's just a taste of the conversations that went on. Think about it. There are so many FinOps topics being discussed. There was even an IT asset management contingent in the middle of the floor. Noel talked with them, but the background conversation was too loud to use the audio. So sorry about that, George, Rich, and Paul. There were even some folks from the first cohort of the FinOps professional course in attendance, Jez and Janikin. By the way, Janikin flew in from Singapore. Singapore! That is a long walk. What's your excuse, Rally North Carolina? Anyway, it was great and the conversations kept going. Actually, they kept going a bit too long, longer than we had reserved the space for. It got to the point where I had to yell at everyone to get out, which is a really great look for the director of community. On the other hand, that was the moment I became the patron saint of bartenders who want to go home. From there, the FinOps Foundation staff loaded onto a train to Edinburgh. The next three days, I can't even begin to explain how incredible they were. As Rob Martin put it, best work trip ever. I explained to someone telling them that I've been part of strategic offsites before and I've done the team building and ideation and all the analysis. Maybe those meetings might have been over one or two days. The part of those meetings that focus on FinOps lasted 15, maybe 20 minutes and no one else was really paying attention. This, on the other hand, was three days, 100% focused on FinOps and the FinOps Foundation. I'm going to let Ashley describe what we did, but before we listen, let me just tell you that we recorded these next bits at the very end of the week. We were a bit slap happy and tired, and I basically put a mic in their face and said, start talking. They all thought I would edit the goofiness out of this, but you can hear the joy, happiness, and nerves as they try to pitch what we discussed at a very high level. All right, first we're going to hear Ashley give the high level overview of what we did. Then we're going to move to objective group one over here with Steve Trask, who made me laugh so hard when he was trying to talk. Objective group two will be covered by the great Stacy Case and objective group three will be covered by Vaz. Hey, this is the F2 staff coming from Edinburgh. <laughs> I love how pressure it is. Okay. I hate it. All right. Hi, this is the F2 staff coming from Edinburgh. I'm still saying it wrong, ain't I? I'm not um, going to say it. Can I say Scotland? Scotland. Okay, server. Take three. 
Hi, this is the F2 staff coming from Scotland. We got together this past week to really talk about um, our mission and where we see the organization going. We did a lot of that through talking about our OGs. You'll hear that a lot, and that's our objective groups. We have three of them. One of them is focused around community, the second one around advancing people, and our last one around our best practices. While we were together, we did a lot of different techniques to help us brainstorm. We did some SWOT analysis. Then we prioritized the different activities we want to do throughout the year, and more importantly, we had a lot of discussions and debates on where we want to go next. And I think the best value out of this week is we did a lot of team building activities as we've really tripled in size in the last year. So looking forward to share with you all what we came up with. Don't say hello. Hello. She's she said hello. She said hello. Oh, okay. No, you say hello. Are you recording this now? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're going to put this on, aren't you? Oh, no. <laughs> I'll never do that. So objective group one is focused around community and how we can help you get engaged and getting started in the community, helping you on board and continue to be engaged. Also, hang on, carry on. You going? Mm -hmm. Also, we're going to be looking at events and where we're going to be going and also the events that we're going to be hosting after the successful London Roadshow, which was a great success for all the people that attended. Everyone just loved the networking. It wasn't necessarily about the content, that was great as well, but meeting each other in person for the first time for several years was super important to the practitioners. All right, so we talked about the objective group two, which is really focusing around what are we gonna do over the next year for advancing careers, FinOps professionals and practitioners out there? How are we going to help them build out their careers via scholarships, mentorship, new training content. We also with OG2, or Objective Group 2, <laughs> we also talked about what does it look like to be an enterprise member, which is something that is, is new to the foundation. We're really excited about bringing on. Okay. Uh, so we got together, talked about Objective Group number three. That Objective Group is responsible for best practices, for building content for learning and things like the assessment for enterprises and their maturity level for FitOps. We're turning our attention to building out resources for practitioners, guides, how-to implementations, being very prescriptive now that we've got the information architecture established, now that we've got some foundational content in place, we want to start building out those how-to guides, those implementations. We also talked about the assessment. How do you know where you are as an organization? How do you know what you need to focus on? And then how do you take that information and figure out where to start in the framework? Oh, and the other thing that was really exciting that came out today was looking at how we can get our partner members to contribute helpful spotlight videos, showcasing best practices, but also showcasing their tooling so that our practitioners not only can learn about the capabilities they need to build, but also have uh, an opportunity to learn about the different tooling that's available so that even if they're not familiar with a particular tool, they can get uh, a little bit of exposure. There are a lot of fun and valuable plans in the works, and I can't wait to share them with all of you. Well, after we recorded those overviews, we booked it across town to meet up with some of the local FinOps community. It was great. We met new friends, Allison McIntyre, Andrew Logan, Tom Cross, Max Thomas, Gordon Brown, James Young, and Rob Wainwright. 
Scotland has an absolutely lovely FinOps community, which includes our own Ben Demora, who had been playing gracious host for us all week long. It was a lovely way to end the week, and this is a lovely way to end the podcast. Look at you. You did it. You're an official FinOps the Not for completing this episode of FinOps Pod. If you're enjoying FinOps Pod, make sure to give us a follow so that you don't miss any episodes. And again, if you want to experience the FinOps community in person for yourself, be sure to register for FinOps X Conference June 20th and 21st in Austin, Texas. Go to x.finops.org for more information. Big thank you to every single person who came to the London Roadshow. Your voice was part of this podcast, even if it was only part of the background noise. It added the whole feeling of the whole thing. It was awesome. Thank you to Natalie Daly, Bups Rani, Sanjay Apti, Noel Crowley, David Sturtz, Roy Robin, Mark Butcher, Steph Gooch, and all the lovely staff at Code Node who hosted us. And big heart signs and hugs to my FinOps Foundation family, J.R. Stormant, Steve Trask, Ashley Ramatko, Rob Martin, Stacey Case, Ben Demora, Kevin Amame, Graphics Tom, Emily Cantor, Andrew Nem, and Vasilio M. We'll see you next time on FinOps Pod. <laughs>